You are listening to Daily Devotions with Pastor Robert Marsbach. We believe that these devotions will encourage and strengthen you. So tune in, connect, and be blessed. For any more information, please visit us online at lifechurchuk.org. Welcome to Life Devotions, and thank you for joining me today. The Spirit that carries the mantle is the title of this devotion. The mantle is the anointing, the embodiment of God, the, the Holy Spirit moving and having its way in the human person. But the spirit of that man makes all the difference to the effectiveness and the nature and character that that anointing is able to work and reveal. In Daniel chapter 6, we read this starting at verse 3. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to set him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there error or fault found in him, in Daniel. And then it says in verse 10 that Daniel knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. You could see what gave and maintained and perfected that excellent faithful spirit in Daniel was his communion with God. You see, God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. And if we say we live in fellowship with God, then we walk in the light as He is light, and His blood continuously cleanses us from all fault, error. It says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. We're continuously cleansed. We're continuously clean from fault and error, from sin. And you see, friends, Daniel lived in habitual communion with the Father three times a day, every day, as was his custom. And he was able to be kept with his spirit, free from the corruption that surrounded him, from the mindsets that surrounded him. Some people think, if I could just get away from anything that would defile me, I will stay undefiled. And they don't realize, while it is important for us to touch no unclean thing and to be separate to the Lord, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, what keeps us consistently clean in our spirit is our communion with the Father in the power of the blood of Jesus. You see, life is like the road, and the grass next to the road, let me say it again. Life is like the grass, the green grass next to the road, which is this world. And the dust from the life of this world so 
comes on the grass that you cannot see the difference between the roads and the grass, except where there's that little spring in the grass that keeps bubbling up that fresh water and keeps the grass in the spring beautifully clean and green. See, Christ is that life fountain that keeps our spirit clean and keeps us holy, dear friends. But any of us need to remember that we have our part to play to live clean. When I was a little boy of maybe four years old or so, I would play with my brother David, who was, would have been five years old, on the field behind our house in the town of Forburg, where we lived in the Netherlands. And there we lived as a family in that house and we would go play on the field. And we would come in from playing in the field ready for dinner at 5.30, all muddy. And mama would have a little tub in the kitchen, 1964. She'd have a little tub in the kitchen with some warm water. And she would take off all of our muddy clothes and make us stand in our birthday suit in that little tub and pour that warm water over us and scrub us with soap. And I remember crying and saying, Mom, I don't want a bath. I'm not dirty. I'm not dirty. I'm not. But the water was brown because of the mud. In other words, I was at such an age I could not acknowledge or recognize my own condition, but my mother did and did what was right and good for me to keep me clean. There are times in life, friends, that we need somebody else to say, you know, this way you think or talk is, is not, not, not the way. Come on, let's get ourselves sorted. It, I am grateful when I get corrected by those who love me or even those who don't love me. The Bible says better the bruises of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. And the Bible also says that, that, that we learn by criticism. We even, even, even look for it at times that we may learn by it. Never allow criticism to go to waste. Always kind of go, hmm, I'll be more thoughtful and sensitive in the way that I behave there. Even if you're innocent, let it sharpen you and keep you sensitive to behave in the right way. And it says here in Psalm 50, verse 23, whoever offers praise glorifies me, says the Lord. And to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. We have our part to play in maintaining an excellent spirit. We have our part today. The title of this devotion is The Spirit That Carries the Mantle. We have our part to play to order our conduct aright. I don't like it when my conduct isn't right. I don't like it when I'm harsh or when I'm, when I'm maybe a little bit too pushy, you know, to going too fast for those around me. I don't like it. I like to be meek with the meekness of my Savior, gentle with His gentleness, good with His goodness, kind with His kindness, to bring His love and life and goodness to those around me. I don't like it when I, and I, and I immediately come to Him and say, Lord, I need softening. I'm starting to have a bit of hardness here. I don't like that. And, I, and the Holy Spirit comes and softens me. And, but, but, okay, David was a man 
whom the Lord was able to help when he really got himself in a pickle. David was given a mantle, an anointing that Jesus Christ is revealed in. You know, he's called the son of David, Jesus. And, and, and the Lord says, the anointing of this house shall never die. And he's talking about the spirit because anointing is the word Messiah. It's, it's the Hebrew word for the word Christ, the anointed one. And you see, David carried that embodiment of the spirit of God into such a degree that it was prophetic to present that he was a representative of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament so that with what God showed in David, he fulfilled in Jesus. And, and here in Psalm 51, which 17 amazing verses, you see David's part, which is what I've been saying, in keeping his spirit right before God. The spirit that carries the mantle makes all the difference to the effectiveness of the mantle, the anointing. And David begins this incredible, beautiful psalm by saying, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Do you see that David acknowledged my spirit is not in the right place. I gotta get myself cleansed. I gotta get myself right. Folks, come on. Daily, I take a shower or a bath. Why? Because I like to stay clean. I like to stay clean. When I was that little four-year-old boy, my mother had to wash me to keep me clean. In other words, some people only come to the altar when they feel guilty and ashamed and say, oh God, oh God, oh God, what have I done? What have I done? Have mercy, forgive me, and, and amen, and rightfully so. But folks, there's another way of living where we don't just get cleansed because we're dirty, but where we live cleansed because we like to stay clean. And I tell you, I love to stay clean. I love to have fellowship with my father unbroken. I like to have access unbroken. I like to have communion unbroken. I like to stay clean so I can access consistently. And here David realized he needed washing. He says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, from the deceitfulness of my ways. Cleanse me from my sin. Behold, you desire truth in my inward part. You want me to be honest with you. You want me to know your wisdom in my inward thoughts to make right choices. Purge me then with his say, O Lord, and make me clean. Wash me that I might be water whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right, steadfast spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take your Holy Spirit not from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation. Behold, uphold me with your generous spirit, O Lord. I know that the sacrifice of God is a broken spirit, a broken spirit. Broken means I'm completely Lord yours. Oh God, oh God, have mercy. Oh God, have mercy. Broken before God. A broken and a contrite heart. These, oh God, you will not despise. Friends, the spirit that carries the mantis, the spirit that lives yielded, that lives surrendered, 
that lives wholly given to God by that eternal spirit by which Jesus offered himself without blemish to the Father, empowering you, enabling you to give yourself wholly to God. What makes me live wholly surrendered to my loving Father is the surrender of Jesus in me. All that he is, he works in me to the praise and the glory of God. Oh, friends, I pray that we set our hearts aright with God. It says here in this incredible Psalms that we may not be like their father's stubborn, rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. Psalm 78, verse 8. Friends, I don't want to live rebellious against the will of my Father, opposing it with my attitudes, behaviors, that when the Spirit of God's trying to move on me concerning some generosity, some kindness, some service, some self-denial, that there's a resistance in me. I don't want to know that resistance. I don't want to know it. No, I want my heart to be continuously set right, my spirit to be continuously set right. I want to close this devotion with something that's dear to my heart, and it's right here in 1 Kings chapter 19, where Elijah is before the Lord in a really key turning point in his life. In a very, he has completed excuse me, the first part of his journey. And now he's entered the last part of his journey. And he's at that turning point with God. Many times when we're in that transition time, where we're completing the first part to enter in the second part, it, is a, it can be quite a marked time in our lives. It can often be fraught with all kinds of challenges and trials that identify that part that you say, you know, when I went through that, then is when this began. You know, it's kind of like Israel becoming the people of God. It's when they came out of Egypt by the mighty hand of God through the Red Sea into the Promised Land. What a marked time that was in history. And we see these marked times throughout Scripture. And God himself works in marked time. I truly believe that we right now are in a marked time in the history of the world. I believe that is true for the world. I believe it is true for Virginia and I that we're in a marked time. We have experienced some tribulations, some trials and hardships that we've never known before. And yet we have experienced the keeping and enabling and empowering of the Lord that is faithful and true. But we really believe we are entering in that for which he had predestined us and prepared us for all this time. I really believe this is a marked time for our lives. And I trust that this is true for you as well that you are saying, you know, Pastor, I am now, by what you're saying, realizing this is a marked time. I'll be able to look back at this time in my life and say, when I went through all of this, this began. This is what God is doing now. And here, Elijah 
was entering into the second part of his journey, into the last part of his journey. And the Lord commanded him to find Elisha, who would serve him and then take over from him. And I want you to just see this transition time because the spirit that carries the mantle is, was so matured in Elijah and had become so stable in the embodiment of that one man, in the manifestation of the purpose and will of God through that one man, that he was able to pass it on to another generation. And I'm gonna talk about this tomorrow's will, and it's a very important message tomorrow, how the old are here to help the new generation. But here, Elijah is now brought into that place to be able to pass on what God had worked in him, what God had matured in him, what God had perfected in him, what God had made stable and steady in him. And we read here in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 16, anoint as prophet Elijah in your place. It says here, and Elisha, excuse me, and Elisha, verse 16, second part of the verse, and Elisha, the son of Shepheth, of Abel Mechelah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. My goodness. And it shall be that whoever, da, 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 um, let me, let me pass over some of that rhetoric here to get to verse 19. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shepheth, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12. And Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the ox, oxen and ran after Elijah and said, please, let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again, for what have I done to you? In other words, what do you mean, what have I done? You see, Elijah just obeyed God, but taking his mantle, which represented his anointing, his embodiment of God, his service in God, and he threw that mantle on Elijah, and Elijah is in the busyness of life and feels that anointing come upon him. And he knew he was called to it. I would like to think that when the anointing comes, you would consider what service is calling you, what duties, what timings, what purpose of the Father is calling you. Because Elijah, I want you to see that Elijah, um, um, turned back from him, took a yoke of oxen, slaughtered them, boiled their flesh, using the oxen's equipment as, as wood for the fire, and gave to the people, and they ate. Then he arose, followed Elijah, and became his servant. Elijah you could see that God had planned for him to become one with Elijah. Because the moment the anointing of Elijah touched Elijah, he could not continue in the way he was. 
he now felt the duty calling him into the service. And he gave up all that was his prosperity and success for the purposes that was calling him. And he followed Elijah, right? He followed Elijah. Now we go to the last part of this, to Second Kings. Yes, we go to Second Kings. Um, and I have this ready. And I'll tell you what happened is that Elijah, here it is, Second Kings chapter 2, that the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, that Elijah went to Elisha from Gilgal, went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah, Elijah said to Elisha, listen closely, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. Right? In other words, Elijah says, this is what the Lord's asking me to do. Right? And you can see here what Elisha was living for. There was nothing in Elisha that was ambitious for his own calling and ministry. No, everything was fully to do the will of him who called him. I find this spirit of faithfulness the only true spirit that should carry the mantle. That you don't live for your own name, for your own glory, for your own popularity, for your own position, for your own power, for your own financial welfare. No, 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 no. You live for the praise and the glory of him who anointed you. You could see there was nothing in Elisha that was ambitious for his own name and position. No, there was nothing in him. That's why God chose him, because God knew that his spirit would be true and that he would become one with Elijah so that what God had given Elijah, he could pass on to Elisha. Oh, how God today is longing to pass on the baton to a new generation. How God is longing to bring his anointing into a new generation and to see them rise. Oh, join me tomorrow for the devotion, how the old must help the new, the young, the new generation. And Elijah said, stay here for the Lord's called me to Bethel. But Elijah said, as the Lord lives and your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. They went down to Bethany. Now, Gilgal, friends, is the introduction of self-sacrifice. It means rolling away, rolls away the reproach of the old life that identified you. You see, he was a farmer plowing the land. That's the only identity he carried. The only, people, the only way people knew how to recognize Elisha was as a farmer who plowed the land. And Gilgal is that place where the Lord takes away the old identity. Bethel is called the house of God. Oh, Bethel is that place where we're transformed by His Spirit into His likeness and take on a new identity. And Elijah said, the Lord's given it to me to be in His house. And Elijah said, where you go, I go. Where you dwell, I dwell. 
What God's given you is what I'm living for. And he went with him to Bethel. Oh, most people love living in Bethel. Once they become born again, once they partake of the riches of glory, they want to live in Bethel, in that place of manifestation, in that place of praise and glory. But while they were in Bethel, the Spirit of the Lord came to Elijah and said, go to Jericho, go to Jericho. And Elijah again said to Elisha, the Lord has called me to go to Jericho. Stay here. Elisha could have stayed there. It would have been a phenomenal shift from the farmer's identity to the house of God identity. But Elijah knew that he had been joined to Elijah by the Lord. He knew the anointing that he was sharing was in his union with Elijah. And he says, as your soul lives and as the Lord lives, I will not leave you. And he went down to Jericho. Jericho, not everybody wants to go there. Jericho is where it becomes manifest in your spirit that all you are and all that you have comes from God. That you do not have anything of your own anymore. You don't live for yourself anymore. You used to live to build your house and have all that and you're grateful for a house, but you don't live for it. You used to live to have the next nicest vehicle and now you're thankful to get somewhere but you don't live for it anymore. You used to live for clothing, for this, for that, for holidays, for whatever and you're grateful when these things do happen but you don't live for it anymore. You are completely changed. We're talking about the spirit that carries the mantle. And let me close with you. While they were in Jericho, while everything I am and I have belongs to God, Elijah said to Elijah, the Lord has called me beyond the Jordan. Stay here, stay here. The point, friends, I hope you see is that you can stay in every place of transition and never come into the full destiny. But I love Elijah. He says, as your soul lives and as the Lord lives, I will not leave you. And he went with Elijah and they came to that which separates from the present to the eternal, the Jordan. And Elijah took that mantle of the anointing and touched that Jordan and it gave way. It gave way and the internal, eternal opened up and they came out of that place where all is God's into all of God. And as they're walking alone, Elijah said to Elijah, what is it that you really want in me? He says, I want to live in that anointing you have with God. I want to live in that spirit you have with God. I've shown it with every decision that that's my choice in life. That is the only spirit that should carry the mantle, friends. And here Elijah said to Elijah, if you can see me being taken up by the Lord, what I have, you have. And he saw him being taken up in the Lord and cried, my father, my father. And the mantle of Elijah came upon him. And we can see the life that was in Elijah now also in Elisha because his spirit was proven true to God. Amen. Have a good day.